said, no man took my life, I laid it down. And uh, he said, husbands, uh, you know, love your wives. And wives, submit yourselves to your husband. I think that this, this, this word, I think, has been misunderstood. Uh, we, we think, uh, wives, what, do you, what do you mean submit? Well, you know, i got to bow down before him and yes, sir, and do whatever. That, that's absolutely not what it means. Uh, you need to honor your husband. You need to devote yourself. And basically, it, it, it means... To take your mission. You see, all of us have a mission. We all have a calling and a purpose and a plan. Okay? But if when you come together, husband and wife, your mission comes under my mission. And now my mission protects her mission. And as a husband, it, it is one of my duties to help her fulfill her mission. It's your job, husband, to help your wife succeed. Help your wife in all the ways. And so uh, that's, that's one thing that's been a little misunderstood. Well, oftentimes uh, when Pastor Samuel's doing marriages, he talks about the woman being the weaker vessel. Yeah. And people like to look at the word weak and think not powerful, not strong. But he said, no, it's more like the fine china to be handled with care. So if you treat your wife like she's fine china, you don't put her in the dishwasher, but you hand wash. Oh, come on. You, you take your time. You elevate to a place of, I mean, where's your china? You know, it should be in a place where everyone can see it because it's just beautiful. It's special. It means something. It's not just your melamine, normal plastic tableware or paper plate. It's special. And so there's a difference in the translation. It's not meant to make woman be less, but he also says God didn't create man from the head that the man would lord over, I and mean, woman from the head that the man would lord over the woman, or from the foot that he would trample, but from the side that they could be side by side in yes. one and help each other. Absolutely. And God, God created man from Adam's rib. Uh, Adam was asleep. God put Adam to sleep. And, and then when he woke up, uh, there was woman. And, uh, that, that's why women, men don't understand women. We were asleep when God made them. And they, 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 they confuse us. And, uh, but anyway, but listen, God's plan for marriage. Listen, when we look at the type, the picture of Christ and the church and Him giving Himself and dying and, and the church coming under His submission and now carrying out His plan which is to spread the gospel so that as many people as can could come into the family that one day we can all spend eternity in heaven. It is a love story. And so that is how marriage uh, is supposed to be. When marriage is done right, uh, it's beautiful, it's healthy, it's passionate, it's fulfilling, and uh, that's, that's how we want it to be. But let's talk a little bit about expectation versus reality. This is one of mine and Doris' favorite things because we look at things on Pinterest or online and we have this great expectation of what things are going to turn out like, whether it's baking something or decorating for our ladies' meeting. But then the reality is we don't know what we're doing or <laughs> we, we don't have the means to make it like it is supposed to be. So sometimes our reality doesn't match up to expectation. Sometimes. And years ago, was it on David Letterman? <laughs> uh, no, it was One Saturday. It was sa- I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it was Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live. Live. Okay, so you know, we don't condone that. So <laughs> we, we have watched it. 
Uh, they had a segment called Lowered Expectations. <laughs> if you can YouTube it, it's pretty funny. But we've had this ideal of what marriage is supposed to look like. What uh, I mean, tabloids, social media is so much more in our face than it used to be when we just had to like buy a magazine or whatever. But from the time that we're young, society paints a picture of what you should look like, what your marriage should look like, you know, 50 ways to seduce your husband. or I mean, it's on the cover of every magazine. But reality and expectation aren't always the same thing. And then we're competing with Hallmark. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, it's perfect and it's romantic and they have a little, just a little drama. You know, just a little, nothing too big, but a little misunderstanding. And then they come back together and they kiss and they live happily ever after. It's not like that. We get married and we think, oh, yay, 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 yay. I'm going to be on my honeymoon. I'm going to go on a honeymoon and be on a honeymoon forever. And sometimes the honeymoon don't even last as long as the honeymoon. (laughs) Things have a way of uh, of changing, you yeah. know. Uh, in here a little bit, we'll talk about sex a little bit. But I can, as, as a teenager, as a kid, I thought when I get married, I'm going to get to have sex anytime I want to. And the reality is, it's anytime I want. I to. can have sex anytime she wants to. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So, that wasn't in the notes. That no, that wasn't. That wasn't in the notes. We're, we're just going to be throwing things in as it comes along. So, uh, the reality is, marriage takes work. Uh, we, we come to that fairy tale wedding. Everything's perfect. Miss Jeannie has decorated for the wedding. It is spectacular. The dress is amazing and cost a fortune. Uh, you know, the parents are in debt and... <laughs> The kids don't know anything about that. You know, they're just excited. The husband, I mean, he's ready for the honeymoon. And, you know, the wife walks down the aisle. And uh, that day is as perfect as it's going to get. After that, you have to put that wedding dress in a box. And you have to put on the work clothes. You have to put on the boots, the high boots. Because, you know, when you work on the farm, you step in some stuff. The Bible says where there's no ox in the stall, the stall's clean. So you gotta you got to make a decision. Either you have an empty stall and you live alone, or you're going to have to deal with some manure. Yeah. I was at a conference this weekend, and she was telling a story about... She went to a Bible study, and they were broken up in groups, and each table had a leader at the table. And that leader was introducing, it was women, and that leader was introducing themselves and then saying the one thing that they uh, just kind of have a problem with, they have to worry about, that messes up with messes up their life. And so at that table, that lady said, you know, I'm so-and-so, we've been married for 40 years, and my, my thorn in my side is picking up socks. And the lady that was there, she's like, well, I was kind of a newlywed. And I thought, you mean it's not going to get better? 40 years and she's still picking up socks. So the next year, she was still, they started a new Bible study. And she happened to be at that lady's same table. But the lady's husband had passed away. And she said, my name's so-and-so. And I was married, I was married for 40 years. And my biggest struggle is I miss picking up socks. So you have to make up your mind that, 
the work is worth it. I mean, what's the alternative? An empty, an empty barn. Yeah, and we don't want an empty barn. No. The work is worth it. So you have to be willing to put in the work. Yeah, absolutely. Talita, would you throw up that first picture for me? I saw this. I, I loved it. I thought it was cute. Some of you guys understand. See the two dogs? The one, the one dog says, the, the girl dog, we've been married one year today. And the husband dog says, feels like seven. <laughs> y'all, y'all get that? Dog years. All right. <laughs> so um, honeymoon versus reality. But you know what? The Bible does say, people come to me all the time, Pastor, we're having trouble in my marriage. Well, First First Corinthians seven twenty eight. Those who get married will have troubles. I had to look that one up. I was like, I don't think that's in the Bible. You looked it up. I looked it up. Was it there? It's sort of there. It's there, but that's a different translation. But yeah, it says. I kind of paraphrased. You it. will have problems. Yes, for sure. You will, because you're taking two individual people and putting them together, and. Uh, that can either cause fireworks or sparks in the wrong way. We were first married, and we were going to uh, Kmart, and it's where Atwoods is. Y'all remember now. Kmart? Remember Kmart? Blue light special. So we got out of the car. Uh, we were newlyweds. I mean, brand new. <laughs> and we're walking into Kmart, and Samuel runs into somebody he knows. I don't know, a classmate, something. And he gets out his wallet and shows him my picture. I'm standing right there. He never introduces me or anything, but he, he tells them he got married. He gets out his wallet. He shows them my picture. And I was like, do I look bad today? There's something wrong with me today. <laughs> but, you know, things are just, you know. You, you're, you're, you're not used to it. Yeah. I do. I've never had a wife before. So first thing you do when you get a wife uh, you're going to, the first thing and foremost and the most important through every topic we're going to talk about today is communication. Communication. Now listen to this. Communication is 7% words. 38% tone. 55% facial expression. Ladies, sometimes your face says it all. <laughs> You're going to have to learn to hide. The eye roll has got to go. And conversely, men who are n- normally have less words to say than women, your face says a lot. And we read it really well. We think. We know what you're thinking. Let's talk about that. Women speak at least 12,000 words a day. And men speak six. Six? Six thousand. Oh, okay. Not six. Well, some men probably speak six. (laughs) Wow. And the problem sometimes is we can't get a word in edgewise. Y'all are talking twice as much as us. But listen, communication is so, so important. Listen, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about what does the Bible say about communication. Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement 
to those who hear. I mean, that's just good across the board. But when it comes to your spouse, you should never use foul or abusive words that hurt, that penetrate, that cut. Because I'm telling you, they'll never forget them. They'll never forget them. Proverbs 25, 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I'm telling you, the right word at the right time can do miracles. But the right word at the wrong time? So husbands, we, we, we need to learn when to speak our words and when to hold our tongue. Because it has to be at the right time. And then James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That if, if, if we could just uh, put that up on the refrigerator. If we could just every day start out with that one, we'd have a whole lot less trouble, wouldn't we? Yeah. So conversations. You, you remember when we first met? So... Uh, I'm 21, 20. I'd already been off to Bible school and came back. My cousin called me, wanted me to come up to TJC. Uh, Amy grew up in Edgewood. She got a band scholarship, came to TJC. And uh, I'm walking. No, I think I'm actually playing ping pong in the uh, common area there. And I see... Student center. In the student center. And I see this beautiful girl in this Edgewood letter sweater with a big E on it. See it like yesterday. In this short mini skirt. Thank you, Jesus. And listen, y'all getting me out of the spirit in the flesh. And I saw her and I was like, ooh, I like that. She's pretty. And uh, then we don't remember it. We were at a fraternity sorority root beer burping contest. And she won. I no, no, that's not true. We were both judges, but we don't really remember each other from there. But I, we, we had to met because then I saw her in the hallway. And uh, I talked to her. I asked her for a phone number. I wrote her number on my book. And then I didn't use that book again for a week. The next week... Uh, you come, made a lasting impression. No, I, I still remember. And, and so then all of a sudden I saw her number. I'm going to call her. So I called her. No answer machine. No, 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 no answer, answer machine. machine. But there's no caller ID. There's nothing. This is in the 80s, okay? So I called. I said, hey, this is Samuel. And I just talked. I didn't leave my phone number. I couldn't call him back. Another week goes by. And so I, I see her uh, in the hall. And so we talk again. I invited her to go uh, eat ice cream. To go out. So I went out with her. Uh, in my daddy's Chevrolet uh, uh, S10 uh, little mini thing, and uh, the the driver's door was jammed, so I had to crawl in the passenger side and crawl over the armrest. And so he did open my door for me, but I he did. had to get in first I and did. crawl through. I did. I was very much a gentleman. Kick it in. <laughs> so we met in October. That was our first date. From that time. We didn't go a day uh, without seeing each other or at least talking to each other. We got, we saw each other, met in October, got engaged in December, got married in May. 
And this May will be 33 years. When you know, you know. Amen? And so do you remember those, those times? I mean, we would talk. I mean, just the conversation would flow. We'd talk for hours. And, uh, and then we'd, I'd say, you say bye first. She'd say, you say bye first. And I'd no, you say bye first. You say bye first. And you just talk. You can't, you know. And, and then you get married. And as time goes on, conversations kind of get predictable. They get a little stale. They get... Eh. And, 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 and talking turns more into grunt. Where do you want for supper? Uh, where do you want to go? Uh. <laughs> and our conversation kind of dwindles. And listen, great marriages are made up of men and women who are willing to fight to be good communicators. Because this affects everything else in marriage. Amen. Uh, as communication goes, so conflict resolution goes. That's what we're going to talk about next. Uh, as communication goes, so sex will go. As communication goes, so intimacy and romance goes. Uh, you have to learn to talk. I tell you, I am so uh, worried about these teenagers uh, because they can text up a storm. But they don't know how to talk. And I'm afraid, Pastor Elias, uh, it won't be long. We're going to do marriage counseling with the husband and wife sitting across from each other, texting, texting us. And and let's text it back. She said, he said, listen, we're not doing that. You're going to have to learn how to talk. And it's not easy. It's, It's hard. Sometimes maybe it's easier to say what you mean via text because... You're not uh, faced with the facial expressions, <laughs> you know. Yep. Was that fifty-eight yeah. percent of the facial expressions? But uh, we have to really work on those communication skills because things make a difference when you're looking someone in the eye. You know, when when we communicate with people, we need to try to make eye contact. Don't be looking around them or over them or behind them, but really focus on the person, and so you can gauge all of their. Uh, responses, whether it be verbal or facial expressions or the tone of voice, we want to really pay attention because somebody sometimes someone can say, "I'm okay," but they're really not okay because their tone of voice is sad or or their face is distraught. I mean, we need to learn to read people, especially our spouse, and really take the time to spend with them. And that's really really hard on the younger generation because we didn't have cell phones. I mean, we didn't have cell phones till. Our kids were both already born, so we we had to communicate other ways. We had to actually speak to each other, and um, and then it's not always easy. Everyone's not outgoing. I mean, y'all know Pastor Samuel; he can he can speak to anybody. He's very outgoing. He's a talker, and uh, so that's easy for me. But for some people, it's not as easy because one spouse or the other is an introvert. Maybe they're not very outgoing. It's hard for them to make conversation. So you have to make an effort. I mean, we talked about it. Put on the work boots. You have to make an effort to just t- turn off the cell phone. Put the cell phone down. Turn off the TV. You know, sometimes you're together. You're watching a show. You're together. You're in the same room. But that is not the same thing as speaking to one another. And that is not going to lead to, like you said, communication leads to these other things. That's not going to lead you to romance. That's not going to lead you to an intimacy with one another. 
You need to have that one-on-one contact and communication daily. Not once a week, not every now and again. Daily, daily. Put your kids to bed. We're going to talk about kids in a minute, but daily you need some one-on-one time. Yeah, I just I wrote down, talk at the right time. It is amazing how uh, we, we, we want to talk. Most spouses want to talk, but we, if we get our times messed up, then we think the other one don't want to talk. I'm telling you, husbands, your, your wife's in, in the middle of cooking supper, the dishes are piled up, the kids are crying, and you come in and say, hey, I need to talk to you. That's the wrong time. He's right in the middle of a football game. And you come in and say, we need to talk. You're not going to get a good response. He's going to half listen. And then you're going to say, you don't ever listen to me. Well, no, you were talking at the wrong time. We need to learn to talk at the right times when each other, we, we can give each other uh, the time we need. So we, we got to learn uh, each other's moods. Y'all learn, husbands, we learn pretty fast. I know when to speak. I know when to hush. You got to learn those moods. You got to learn uh, when he comes first comes in from work and he's tired, he's stressed. Give him a little time to relax and chill and just kind of breathe before you just rush up and pour, throw all the troubles of the day and the bills are due. Talk a word fitly spoken. It's like apples and silver. So, uh, speaking at the right time. So, uh, we got to learn to be friends. This this happens in a, in a lot of relationships, and uh, uh, we can we're going to talk about a little bit about this of premarital sex in a, in a moment. Uh, because here's what happens: so many couples start out with sex instead of friendship, and that clouds everything. You've got to learn to be friends. You've got to learn to have something in common. You've got to have recreational activities besides sex that you can do together. Find something that you enjoy doing. And, you know what? Do something that your spouse enjoys doing that you don't necessarily enjoy doing. They appreciate that. My wife knows shopping's not my favorite thing. But I'll go with her. I'll do it. I'll hold the purse. I'll carry the stuff. And I have to work on my attitude and being happy the whole time. And not everything she gets, look at the price tag. My facial expression. <laughs> got to learn. to. You got to learn how to have fun yeah, together. It, 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 you need to take turns. You know, because obviously you're not going to have every single thing in common. Everything that one enjoys, the other one's not going to enjoy. Uh, Pastor Samuel loves to go scuba diving. And so that is not even at all anything I want to do. She doesn't even want water in her eyes in the shower. Not unless it's my idea. Not unless it's my idea. I don't want water in my face. I just don't. That's not me. So we'll go to our little scuba diving trips, and I will not scuba dive. But that's what he enjoys doing. But then one day, out of the trip, he's going to have to take me shopping or to the beach or to do something that I enjoy doing. So we take turns, and uh, we have to discuss those things. We have to talk about those things. Communication. Communicate about those things because it's a give and take. Marriage is a give and take. Any relationship is a give and take. 
your parenting and your children, you and your coworkers, you and your boss is a give and take. There has to be compromises all the time in life. Uh, one movement that's going on right now that's it's kind of a popular thing is self-care. And I'm not saying self-care is a bad thing, but I don't know that it's necessarily a biblical thing. I mean, we have to be able to take a Sabbath. We have to have some time for ourselves. I'm not saying that. But I want to just read to you just real quick a scripture, John 15, 9 through 17. So it's a little lengthy, but let me just read through it. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. I have loved you. Just think how many times the word love is used here. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just if I I obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. Now I want to focus on that middle part right there. Love each other the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So, to love one another, you have to be willing to give up your life for the other person. And the Bible says you are no long, your body is no longer your own, it's your husband's. Your body is no longer your own, it's your wife's. You are giving up yourself for that person. You chose them. You made vows to them. You are connected to them. And you can't be selfish. It is so easy to get caught up in, but I need this, or I want this, or I need my time, I need... Well, no, you are in a partnership. You give up yourself for your spouse. And I think that if we learn to do that, if we will quit being selfish, it's hard. I'm not saying I've attained this, y'all. I'm saying this is conviction to me. If we will quit being selfish and self-consumed and looking inward and look at the other person and focus on them and focus on what can I do to make their life better? How can I improve their life? How can I build him up to a place of that honor where I don't mind submitting under him? Well, then in turn, he's going to do the same to me. Because when you're kind to others, guess what? They're going to be kind to you back. When you show love to others, guess what? They're going to show you love back. So we, I mean, they've already chosen you. They've already said I do to you. So love them unconditionally. Give yourself to them. You're no longer in your own. So don't be selfish. That's one of the biggest things. It is so easy to be selfish. (laughs) So marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. I have to 100% give everything to her, expecting nothing in return. That's the kind of love Christ loved the church with, agape. 
Loving but not expecting anything in return. And in return, she loves me 100%. And that just works. It's when we don't. It's when we get selfish. It's when we don't listen. It's when we don't hear. It's when we close ourselves off and we build walls. It's when uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden and their relationship is perfect. And then sin comes in and that's where selfishness came in. And now then their hearts that were toward one another is now begin to be hardened. Sin comes in, life gets harder, childbearing gets hard, working the ground gets hard, and the heart gets hard. And that's why Jesus had to come along and say, I will take out that stony heart and put in a heart of flesh, a heart that you can feel with again. What happens with couples, they get married, they're lovey-dovey, and little things happen, and each time something happens, unkind word, a little dig, a little this, a little that, and that heart grows harder and harder and harder and usually by the time people come to us their hearts are stone and there's not a whole lot we can do uh, and, and so uh, only but the Holy Spirit can he can come in and break up that hard heart and cause you to um, start loving and feeling again amen so hey I, I, for all you men y'all need this uh, Gage k- k- kick the light off because I want y'all to be able to see this uh, get, get ready with that, that hear tall. Listen, I know a lot of you men have selective hearing. I saw this. I'm like, we need it. All men, we got to have it. Y'all check this out. It's just for you, men. Men, how many times has this happened to you? Really, really good. Or this. Make sure Timmy wears the blue shirt. If he doesn't. Or even this. And for my birthday, which is next month, I'd really like some of this. Do you have trouble listening or retaining information from your wife? You could be suffering from spousal selective listening or SSL. With SSL, valuable input is intercepted or scrambled before it reaches the critical learning center of the man brain. Virtually anything can trigger it, like sports, food, even shiny objects with buttons. Fortunately, there is help with Heratol. Containing a rare root with an exotic name, Heratol helps men focus and listen to valuable female input, even pick up on those subtle hints. These are exactly the earrings I wanted. How did you know? Thanks, Heritol. Now I can hear it all. Heritol has not been tested or approved by any regulatory agency. Side effects with Heritol include minor to severe headaches and spontaneous combustion. Use caution when using Heritol near mothers-in-law, as you may hear hurtful comments that would have previously been ignored. Heritol is an enhancement drug. Do not use around children or clusters of talkative old blue-haired women. If focused listening lasts longer than four hours, consult your doctor immediately before your wife assumes this is a new standard in your relationship. Men with wives who are nursing or pregnant should not take this product. <laughs> Heritol, the preferred selection or solution for selective hearing. <laughs> you can kick those lights back on. Oh, how many men need some hear it all? Woo, I need some hear it all because I don't always hear it all. But men who are pregnant or breastfeeding should not take it? Is no, that what it no. said? Okay. Listen, definitely listen to the warnings. Very important. So, I'm with wives. I was like, that is really weird. 
Okay. Come in with wives. Maybe okay, that you makes need more sense. Hear it all because you didn't hear it all. I couldn't read I just, it. <laughs> it was very fast. I probably do. Apparently. So yesterday. here's the problem. You didn't hear something. You didn't hear something right. You didn't say something right. You didn't do something right. And that's that's going to happen real quick. And then the fight occurs. Let's talk just a few minutes about um, conflict resolution. I love boxing. I love to watch heavyweight fights. I, I watched the fight between Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson when he bit his ear off. And... Uh, I, I mean, it just, I, I, I love boxing. I, I love M- MMA. I, I just, I, I don't know why. But I, I, I like boxing. But think about it. They get them in the ring. The referee says, I want a clean fight. No hitting below the belt. You wonder why they wear their belt up to here? That's why. No headbutt. No excessive holding on. I want a clean fight. Do you understand? And then he says, Let's get it on. Husbands and wives, it's, it's like that. I mean, we, 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 we get in the ring, we go toe to toe. Uh, you're different people with different opinions. But in a conflict, you have to still fight fair. This is where so many people go off the rails because you're going to disagree about things from time to time, but you have got to learn the scripture said, don't use foul, don't use abusive, don't use language that is hurtful. Remember everything you say, uh, it affects the other person. And kind of like the police will tell you, everything you say can and will be used against you. In a court of law. And so you've got to begin when you have a conflict. And what are the four the, the four big ones? What do people fight over the most? Money. Money, sex, kids, and work. Usually those big fours right there is where people have their most conflict. and uh, But you've got to use good manners. If, if you're going to disagree, you've got to... Husbands, before you speak, we need to think, how is this going to affect my spouse? Because the moment you get into disagreement, you start thinking of all these things you want to say. But you've got to learn to go, wait a minute, if I say that, How's that going to affect her? How's that going to hurt her heart? How's that going to hurt our future? How's that going to hurt uh, my plans tonight? How's this going to affect? And you know what? There's sometimes you just don't need to say everything that comes to your mind. You've got a statistic down here. A 1 to 20 ratio. One verbal missile can undo 20 acts of kindness. So we have to be so, so careful in what we say. But we need to still communicate. So I think that's the hard part because sometimes you get so upset so that you just shut down. A lot of times men especially will just shut down and won't say anything. And then the wife doesn't know what 
what's going on. So you've got to learn to communicate without using the hateful words. Yes, yeah, because when we, you've got to understand that the words that we say penetrate the heart, and we can for, you can forgive, but it's hard to forget. I can ask you right now, and you can remember something hateful, maybe a parent said or another person or from years ago. Maybe you've forgiven them, but you still remember it. So it's better, in, in, because remember, our hearts are pliable. Every time you say something like that, it's hardening that heart. And it's, it's harder then to get through. It's harder for that love uh, to get through and to penetrate. I think this is a really good um, point here. It says, stick to the point. And stay in the present. And that's why we, all of everything we talk about today is basically going back to communication. Communication, communication, communication. Because if you are constantly dealing with issues as they arise, then you're not going to harbor this whole fleet of, of pain and suffering and anger and then just finally unleash it all at once. You can't bring every sin of the past to the present and bombard that person over and over and over again about the same thing. You need to handle it right then. Now that is gone. That's in our past. I'm not going to revisit that. It's over. Now today is a new day and I'm only going to look at today. And if something arises, we're going to deal with today, today, but we cannot harbor the past and keep bringing it up over and over and over again. I mean, that's how Christ, how did he love the church? He forgave. And he doesn't remember it anymore. And, and so what happens is we, we say things, we do things, and, and, and then we don't deal with them today and they build up, as Amy said. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Before you go to bed, you need to make it right. You might have to stay up half the night or all night. But you're like, you know what? We're not going to bed until we get this straightened out. And uh, sometimes you might have to take a break. Sometimes you might have to walk away a few minutes and compose. But do whatever it takes not to say hateful, mean, rude. Deal with the situation. Come in. She says, hey, can, can you help me? Uh, you know, uh, one thing she hates to do is unload the dishwasher. And so she'll say, hey, can you help me unload the dishwasher? Uh, my back hurts. And, 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 you know, and you always ask that. And you're just like your mama. And you're just... and Whoa! I just asked you to help me with the dishes. Why are you bringing up my mama? Why are, you, why are you bringing... This... And all of a sudden, you're bringing up all this. And last week, you asked me this. And then you did this. And then... And we're just going all over the place because you didn't deal with it when it happened. And you're still holding a little root of bitterness and unforgiveness. And you didn't want to bring it up and cause a fight. But now that the fight's on... Woo! The gloves are off. And now I'm fixed to throw everything at you that I've been mad about for the last month. It's dangerous. It hurts. And the more you hurt your spouse, the harder it is uh, to have the intimacy that we want to talk about in just a minute. When you understand, listen, you've you got uh, to understand. We, we, we went to Roadhouse last night, yesterday. Uh, Amy's been gone almost pretty much all week. She's had meetings. She's had conferences. She's been gone almost every night but one, I think. And uh, so uh, she had a conference Friday, Saturday. She come home after, yesterday afternoon. Let's go eat. I'm starving. And so we went to Roadhouse because we had a gift card. 
and, from uh, Christmas. Yes, love gift cards. And so we're 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 you know where I'm having my ribeye and my sweet potato with uh, marshmallows, marshmallows, and uh, she she's eating her roadkill. So uh, she likes to get. Uh, the lady brought it. I said, "Did y'all get this off the loop?" <laughs> lady just kind of looked at me. <laughs> it's roadkill. Anyway, so we're eating, and then she says, "Are you going to eat all your marshmallows?" <laughs> and I said, "I doubt it." So I go to get one with my fork, and I know that he said, well, let me finish first. I never said that. He says he didn't say that. But we had this whole conversation like, I don't oh, well, I thought that, that meant yet I could have them or no, I wasn't going to eat them. And we talked about it, but he doesn't remember that at all. I said, of course you can have them. Eat them. I don't no, he didn't. And then... And then my phone Because he went, always leaves marshmallows, and that's the part I want, the marshmallows. <laughs> you can have my marshmallows. My phone dings, ding, 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 and I look, and it's the camera, front parking lot, and then front door. And I say, it must be the mail. And I said, why is Dale at the church? I, I said, I, I didn't say Dale, I said mail. <laughs> <laughs> I think me and her both need some hair tall. I think we do. So that is just how easy that things are misunderstood. And then if we're not careful, we can let that blow up. Because here's the deal. If we already had some animosity, if I was already mad or whatever, that could have blew up into a fight. Instead, we just laugh. It's funny. I mean, we misunderstood each other. It was no big deal. But we and can, I ate the marshmallows. And she ate the marshmallows, absolutely. And I was fine with it. So, stay in the present. Stay focused. Don't let things build up. And learn to re- resolve your conflict. If you cannot resolve your conflict on your own quickly, you need to get help. Amen. Call your pastor. Let's talk, Okay. Get, let's get you into marriage. It's a, a counselor. Let's get. If you cannot, most little things you can cut, take care of on your own. If you can't take care of it, don't let it go for years. Deal with it in the beginning. Let's get this fixed, and let's get you on to a healthy, happy marriage. Amen. So, I, I, yeah, let me say that. I said always avoid the D word. People throw that up all, all the time. Every time they get in a fight, <laughs> I'm just going to divorce you. Listen, don't don't use that word. Don't put that on the table. That's not on the table. Listen, we're, I, I'm, I'm not leaving. We're going to work this stuff out. And so don't, don't, don't throw that out. Let's talk about money. Did y'all know that the most fights, a lot of fights and most divorces are caused over money? And you know what? Me and you never fight because we have too much of it. Now, you don't fight because you have too much of it. Did you know, listen, this is, sad, this is so sad. Uh, 62% of Americans will get married at least once in their lifetime. And 50% will end in divorce. That, that's terrible. That's why we're having this day. That's why the church has not done a real good job dealing with marriage and marriage issues. Uh, and so we've got to stop that. Now listen, I know there's probably some of you, some of you watching, you're, you're, you're set in your ways, you're old, you're, you're not going to change, and you're like, I don't care what you say, I ain't changing. But you know what? Maybe, maybe you'll change a little. 
But there's a lot of young people out here. There's a lot of uh, uh, teenagers. There's a lot of uh, newlyweds. That you know what? We we something we say, something we do, modeling. We we could change their whole life. Well, I remember when we first started this, and I I mean I don't remember how many years ago. It's been a long time. We've been doing marriage love month for years now. And I remember his aunt Francine. She was in her late 80s, and she said, "I just wish somebody would have taught on this back when I was still married. You know, before uh, Dean passed away. You know, there, it's just something a subject that not a lot of people teach on, but it's something that involves almost the whole world. Like over half of the world is married, and we need to know about this stuff. We need to talk about it. We need to know how to to resolve conflict." And it's just baby steps. Really, it's just baby steps. Just change one little thing. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. Just little by little, just make some implications. Just change some things. Follow after. Well, what would you know, ask yourself that? We was around in the 80s forever. What would Jesus do in the 90s? What would Jesus do? How would he show love? You know, if we could just ask ourselves that question and then really show love to our spouse who we chose because we loved them. I mean, we proclaimed our love in front of the world and said, I do. Can we not just go back to that? Remember your first love? Remember how much you fell in love with that person? There was a reason for that. Focus on the good. Let you lift up the good in a person and don't worry about all the bad. Let it take care of itself one thing at a time. One mistake at a time. Deal with each thing as it comes. Don't let it build up. What's the most important uh, thing when you're dealing with money? Communication. <laughs> What's the most important thing in marriage? Communication. How do you reveal? How do you resolve conflict? Communication. How do you deal with money issues? Communication. You need to talk about money before you get married. Uh, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to do it? How much How much do we make? When you get married, there is no my money and your money. It's our money. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a little money. We, 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 we get paid. I get an allowance. I can, do with the, I can do with my allowance what I want to. Well, there's always going to be one person in the relationship who's better with numbers than the other person. I mean, it's just, you know, part of it. I mean, my mom always did the bills in my household when I was growing up. And when we got married, I was a math major in school, and I've just always been good with numbers. And it was just natural for me to do that. And so I just take care of the money. But we talk about the money. Yeah. I, like, stress out about the money with him. I let him know we need more money. I mean, you know, there's all the things that we do. We talk about it. But in some in some relationships, it's the husband. I know in Haley and Matt, our daughter and her son, Matt is her husband. Her husband. <laughs> <laughs> Not her son. <laughs> you know, my words. My, I'm not good with words. I'm good with money. <laughs> so, um, but he does all the finances. And he does. He, he gives her an allowance because they both work. But he has his, he did the Dave Ramsey course. And that's a very good course. If you've never yeah. heard of it, we have some worksheets on it. We can talk to you about it. I'm sure you can find a lot of it online. 
Dave Ramsey just has a really good idea about how to save, a godly perspective on money. They have their envelopes that they save toward this. They have their savings put up that they don't touch. But he went and opened a separate little... At first, he was giving Haley cash every month. But then he realized she was ordering things online. So she needed a card. So he opened her her own little debit card. And he puts money every month in her debit account. And that's her lunch money or Marshall's money or wherever you like to shop money. And that's all it's for. It's not grocery money. It's not uh, gas store money. Well, we didn't have that growing up. We didn't have any money left when we were first married. But uh, that's awesome. They both have good jobs. And they were both, you know, he, they were a little older when they got married. So they have this set up. Jacob and Morgan are just very, very good at, at saving. And uh, they, I guess they do their finances together. But we, I do the finances in our house. But you need to sit down with your spouse, communicate. Okay, here's our budget. You have to see it on paper, y'all. You can't, it's really, really hard. You forget something. You, you just spend what you have. The next week when the bill is due, you don't have the money for the bill. You have to sit down and say, oh, on the 20th, every month, this, this is due. I need to have money on the 20th. Even though I get paid on the 1st, I need money on the 20th. And you have to budget and save for each of those weeks so that you know what's going to come out when. Because a lot of people, they just spend the money on the 1st. And then when the 20th comes, they're scrambling because they didn't save the money for the bill. So you have to look at when your bills are due, look at when you get paid, make you a budget, and talk about it with each other. And if one of you is better at that than the other, it's okay. It's not like hurting his manhood because I write the checks and sign his name. You know, it's just what we do. It just works for us. It doesn't have anything to do because he's really good at other things that I don't want any part of. I don't want to know how to do it. I don't want him to teach me how to do it. Just do it. And so that's the same way. You know, there's certain things that you're good at. Everyone has different gifts, but you have to. But you got to do it together and you have to be honest. And we, we have we have different bank accounts, but they're accounts for different things. We have business accounts and whatever, but we don't I don't have a private account. That's just mine. You know, and so don't you got to be honest about money, honest what you made, uh, share with your spouse. You know, she was going to ask me, where did it go? I don't know. You need to know. Keep a record. Keep receipts. And uh, listen, if the IRS ever checks you, you better have a record. So you know what? You need to have a record for yourself. need to have a record for your spouse. And you need to be open and honest. And to get, I'm telling you, two's better than one. Then you have dreams. You have goals. We want to buy a new car. We want to buy a new house. We want to buy a boat. We want to buy this. That's great. You know what you do? You start saving toward that. And when you get there, you get it. Let's talk just a real quick. We've we got to move quickly through these next few. Uh, credit cards. Use credit for your convenience, but don't get caught. Don't get trapped. Debt can destroy marriages. It can destroy lives. And the world, they, I mean, I tell you, our kids, you, you, as soon as you get married, we constantly get new, a credit card thing from them all the time. And they never even got them. We tore them up, threw them away. <laughs> they don't need that. You know, you get one and you use it for convenience, but you pay it off. For emergencies. Or for emergencies. But you pay it off every month. You know what? You, 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 how do you, you budget. 
you, 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 you went to Amazon, you bought something, you've got to deduct that out of your checking account. My grandmother, case in point, my grandmother, all she would do, she wanted to go shopping, all she'd do is call the bank. What's my balance? They'd give her a balance. But they didn't know that 10 checks hadn't come through yet. And she'd go, oh, I got money. Let's go to Dillard's. Off you go. Get yourself in trouble that way. So, uh, listen, live by the 10-10-80 rule. Anybody know the 10-10-80 rule? About to teach you. It's what I taught my children. And, and it, I'll teach you if you'll do it, change your life. Number one, 10% of everything you make goes to God. The first 10%. You say, but I can't afford it. I figured it up. No, you don't do that. You get your check. You write your tithes check. You honor God. Because if you, if you rob from God, God can't bless your finances. And there's not a prayer we can pray to get you out of that curse. Pay your tithe. 10% belongs to God. Number two, 10% belongs to you. Put it in savings. And then live. learn to live on 80%. If you can save more, great. The uh, Europeans, in the European nations, they save about 16% of their income. The Japanese save 25% of their income. Americans save 4% of their income. That's why America is in such a bad shape. We're in debt. And when you're in debt, debt brings stress, which brings fights, which causes divorce. All right. We can, we can scroll this one through this one pretty fast. Or slow. Whatever how y'all want to do it. Let's talk about sex. Man, that's a three-letter word. That's a small word that has an enormous, enormous influence over our lives. It's crucial. It, it, it's in everything you see and hear from the time kids are little and teenagers are bombarded. But the church has done a terrible job in teaching it correctly and the beauty and the gift. And so we, we, we think of it, parents try, we don't want our kids to, to, to engage in premarital sex. And so we put guilt and we tell them it's bad and don't do it and blah, blah, blah. And so now then they're married and they're doing it, but they still feel guilty about it. It's horrible. We need to teach our kids and our young people sex is a gift from God. But it is a gift that is to be opened and enjoyed in a safe marriage between one man and one woman is God's definition of marriage and what He has blessed. And so sex is it's emotional, it's physical, it's psychological, and it is Spiritual. So people like, oh, we're going to go to church and then we're going to worship God. And, and, and then tonight, we're going to do the dirty. No. That is as much an act of worship to God as you coming and clapping and singing is. God is honored when a husband and wife come together because it was whose idea? Well, it's God's idea. God made it. God created it. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. If there's more cleaving, there'll be less leaving. 
And they shall become one flesh. What is what what is what does intimacy, the word intimacy well, mean? I was looking at that, you've got the definition here. Intimacy means to be fully known. To be fully known. Now, and then here we come back to communication again. In order to have a, a happy, fulfilled sex life, you have to have complete and total trust in your partner. You have to communicate with them. You have to be able to tell them what you like, what you don't like, what's good, what's bad. This doesn't work. This works. So that you can discuss what what would be fulfilling for the both of you. Because it's not... Everybody's not created the same. We're all a little different. Our shapes are different. Our bodies are different. And we need to work with one another to figure that out. But you have to have complete, total honesty and trust in your partner in order to be fulfilled. (laughs) And not be ashamed. And for us men, man, we did something. We figured out all the right buttons. We did it right. I figured it out. And the next time, it don't work. Because they're ever-changing. It's hard. So the Bible said that intimacy is being fully known. The scripture here, Genesis 2, 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You see, it was not until man sinned that he knew he was naked and that shame came and he began to hide himself and he did not want God to know what he had done. And we allow that to flow into our marriages and so we try to hide ourselves from one another because if she really knows me, if, if she... If she really knows that, I won't do that. She'll think I'm a freak. So I'm not going to be, I don't want to be fully known. I don't want to show, I don't want to, you know, in the same way with her. But Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. You've got to get to the place in your marriage that you can be naked, unashamed, fully known, hiding nothing, putting it all out there, knowing that your spouse is going to accept you just the way you are. And I like this uh, statement right here. Sex is not a reward or a weapon, but a gift to be shared. You can't use your sexuality or your intimate time with one another as reward or punishment. The fact of the matter is, it's a form of communication. And you you need that intimacy to be fully on the same page with one another, you need that intimacy. And, and, and it's something that you really have to work on. It's, it's not easy. You're yeah. not always in the mood. You, maybe you watched one too many episodes of whatever series you're binging on Netflix. You need to just cut the TV off and have some time with one another. Yeah. Because you can get in a rut. It's so easy just yeah. to get in a rut. And before you know it, you're too tired. And then you're too tired the next night. And then you're too tired again. And then you're too tired again. And you're too tired. And it's been a month. And you're still too tired because you're just doing everything else but being um, intimate with one another. You're not making that a priority in your life. You know what I heard, I read this past week? Uh, Couples that increase the uh, frequency of sex from once a month to once a week are as happy as adding $50,000 to their income. 
<laughs> I was like, whoa, it's pretty good. I want to add a couple hundred thousand to mine. All I'm saying. Listen, did you the greatest romance, the greatest sex manual ever written is the Bible. Read Song of Solomon. He'll tell you how to do it. How to hold her, how to surprise her. I'm telling you, they did it in the woods. He spread flowers on the bed. He was romantic. He 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 just he knew what to do. Read read it, men. Take some because take some for women, it's not just about the act of having sex. But for a woman, they want the romance involved in it, right? It's the up the leading up to it. The hallmark. All of those things. You know, you could learn a lesson from Hallmark. Maybe every now and then, watch a Hallmark movie with your wife. It's okay. I give you permission. And it's 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 fine to be romantic. It's nice to be romantic. Pastor Marcelo did a thing with the uh, Spanish church this year for February. And from February the 1st to February 14th, they did 14 days of, of something special for your spouse. Yeah. Like every day they showed their spouse something special. They gave them a gift. They told them they loved them one way or another. You might have seen on Doris's Facebook, she said day one, and she had a, a picture of them and something nice about her husband. It was so sweet. It was so nice. But women need those romantic gestures. They really do. It's like some, you just feel like something's not quite right if, if it's not being romantic anymore. Because like, what have I done? You know, we start going through all these scenarios in our head. I'm just, does it love me like he used to? All these things, what, you know, something happened when in reality he just forgot. He's just busy. So don't forget those things because women need that. Absolutely. Men are, men are mic- like microwaves and women are like crock pots. You got to turn them on in the morning. Let them warm up. For us guys, hit start button. We're good to go. You got to warm the wife up. And it's little thing, little technology. Use it. Text during the day. I love you. I'm thinking about you. I can't wait to see you tonight. It's things. Romance happens not just in the bedroom. It's all day long, all the time. It's words. It's deeds. It's the, you know, we talked about the verbal and the the nonverbal and the facial expressions and all that. That can be used for good. You can be across the room from your spouse. I mean, in a crowded place, you know, you just look over, just look over at them. And you're like, she knows what you're thinking. She knows you. Start the engine, rev it up. Listen, husbands, here's the difference in husbands and wives. Husbands experience sex and from his sexual experience flow his feelings. I've had this experience and now I feel connected and now I can share some things with you, whatever. Women are the polar opposite. They have to experience feelings before they can experience physical intimacy. Isn't it amazing how God made us opposite? (laughs) Because He wants us to work on it. It takes work. But it's worth it, amen? 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5 Husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. If it's not just for prayer and fasting, you don't need to be taking breaks. 
Afterward, you should come together again that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You don't need uh, to, to go. The longer you go, the harder it is. And listen, sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you say no. It's okay. But here's what you women want you to understand. It's not that I don't know why it's not. I mean, women, they can compartmentalize wife, mother, this, that, sexuality. Men, our, our whole identity is wrapped up in our sexuality. When you reject us, when you say no, we feel like you're saying no to us, not just an act. You don't want me anymore. You don't love me anymore. The, 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 the husband and wife, they, they first get married. The, they, they go off to, uh, I heard this, you sent that to me. Uh, they, they, they get married, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just loving each other all the time. Then he goes on a business trip. He comes back. She, you know, she's got, you know, bought a new uh, little, you know, uh, lingerie and got flowers and, I mean, welcomes him home and, oh, everything's right with the world. Time rolls on and they, you know, time, they've been married a little longer and, you know, and then all of a sudden he goes off on another business trip. He's thinking, I can't wait to get home. I remember what happened last time. Now, this time, she's busy, friends, work, everything. She's exhausted. He gets home this time, opens the door. There's no flowers. There's no music playing. There's no candles lit. He goes and she's in bed with a flannel gown up to her neck and already half asleep. Now, he gets in bed. She rolls over and says, oh, honey, I'm, I'm so glad you're home. Gives him a kiss and says, good night. He's laying there thinking, what did I do wrong? That she doesn't love me anymore. While I was gone, she got a boyfriend. She, I mean, we're thinking all these crazy things. She's just tired. Tomorrow they wake up, he's all grumpy, you know, and, you know, after a while, you know, they make up and, and then he's happy again. And so then all of a sudden now she's thinking, wait a minute, he doesn't want me, he just wants sex. So there's a miscommunication. So what, when you say no, no should be said with a future engagement. So it are, not tonight, but how about in the morning? How, how about tomorrow night? How about, don't just leave it open-ended. I'm, I want to read you one thing. I'm sorry this is going a little long. Two people, it takes twice as long. Yeah. I, I read this and it just really, I thought I can't say this, I want to read it. Dr. Willard Harley... A Christian psychologist has a beautiful illustration that hammers home an understanding for women, a man's sex drive, and what a man goes through when he's rejected. Imagine a stool with a glass of water sitting on it. The husband is next to the stool. The wife's next to him. The wife is immobilized. She can't get the water. The husband is the only one who can get the water. Here's what happens, Harley says. The wife turns to the husband and asks, Honey, would you please give me a glass of water? I'm getting thirsty. The husband turns and responds, I don't really feel like it. I'm not in the mood. Maybe in a couple hours. Hours roll by. One more time, the wife turns to her husband, Honey, I'm really getting thirsty. Would you please give me a glass of water? The husband responds, You know, I'm kind of tired. I've had a long day, okay? Then the wife begins to get angry. She feels her temperature rising. She desperately wants water. And she begins to demand it. I want a glass of water. You're the only one who can give me a glass of water. The husband looks at his wife and spins on his heels and said, Well, you're not going to get no water with an attitude like that. 
The husband returns to the scene about a day later, and now the wife is livid. Finally, the husband says, okay, here's your water. Just drink it. Then the wife is gulping down the water. But do you think she's satisfied? Do you think her thirst is truly quenched? Not really. She's thinking, wow, if I'm ever going to want any water again, I've got to watch what I do, what I say, and how I act. And because like water quenches physical thirst, sex in marriage quenches thirst in physical, spiritual, emotional, and a psychological way. Sex must be given and received with a right spirit for it to truly satisfy both partners. As we said earlier, this is why I, I, I say, we say it to our young people and teenagers all the time, don't get involved in premarital sex. It, it, you're, you're not physically, emotionally, or spiritually ready. It is a covenant. It's not something you just do. And it's something to be saved. If you've already done it, stop. It's not unforgivable. Ask God to forgive you, and, and, and He will. But listen, you're, 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 you're giving a piece of yourself, and later in life, it just causes trouble. You're sparing God. When, when God made that rule, it was to protect you, not ruin your fun. And so, uh, we really encourage you to save sex for marriage. But when you get married, do it right. Learn uh, to, to, to give, learn to uh, receive, learn to... Learn your spouse's drive. We said it. Some's a morning person. Some's a night person. Uh, you might need to go to bed a little earlier. Wake up a little earlier. You, you need to figure out. Uh, and when you do say no, say it with a future engagement. You know what? Honey, and explain why. This is what's happening today. I'm just really tired. And so many of the times, you know, you put pressure on each other. And you're waiting. <laughs> How you feel? What, 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 what do you feel? Well, what do you want? What do you want? Well, I'm kind of tired. Yeah, me too. I was hoping you'd say that. Communication. And just say, hey, tomorrow. And it's okay. Let's jump. <laughs> oh, let this, I will. Show that, show that other dog picture. I'm not really going to talk about it. We won't have time. Show this picture. The, the, the wife dog is leaving. One more thing, Cody. You know all those times I wagged my tail? I faked it. <laughs> Wives, be honest with your husbands. Communicate. When he says, how was that? Go, you know what, honey, that was wonderful, but I need more. You, you don't, don't just be, if you're... One-third to one-half percent of married couples are sexually frustrated. Uh, they're not getting all they need, but they're afraid to tell the other one. Communication. And the last subject is talking about kids. And, you know, we already had loving your kids earlier this month. So go back, listen to that. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about kids in marriage. You know what kids stand for? Tell me. Keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. Isn't it amazing? The very thing that was the product of your love will keep you from loving. You're going to have to plan date nights and even vacations or weekends or some kind of getaway without your kids. And that's okay. Leave them with a fun aunt or a grandparent where you know they're having fun without you. I mean, I used to, we left our kids with my mom and dad. One time they took them to um, 
oh my goodness, I can't remember what it's called. With the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs, yeah. you know. Glen Rose. They told me, I've never been to Glen Rose, but my kids have been to Glen Rose. They had more time with my, for, more fun with my parents than they would have had with us at home anyway. So just make sure they have something fun to do. You don't have to worry about them. They're with safe people, but you have to have time with each other. So often married couples, it becomes all about the kids, all about the kids. And then when the kids grow up and they leave the house and they're gone, they don't even know each other anymore. Here you go. Y'all ready? Write this down. Parenting is the process of teaching and training your children to lead. That's if you do your job as a parent, your kids are going to lead. And it's hard and, and stay it's sad. Gone. <laughs> and you know what they're going to do? They're going to go and cleave unto their spouse and become one flesh. And you've done your job. Your kids are not there to stay. Is your marriage kid-centric or spouse-centric? Are your kids the center of attention? Do they get all... Kids cannot give all the attention. Listen, if you're, if you're speaking to your wife or your husband and your kids come up, you need to teach them, mom and daddy's talking, don't interrupt. Here's what happens. Husband and wife's talking. I'm talking to her. I'm, I'm, we're, we're having a serious conversation. The kids come up. She turns her attention from me to them. Immediately, I feel like they're more important than me. And I get an attitude. And it can happen in your the whole time kids, and it gets worse and worse. And it, the older the kids get, the worse and worse it gets. You have to learn. You have to have boundaries. No children in your bedroom. Babies, bassinet beside the bed, fine. Sick, eh, we understand all that. But as far as just living in your room, sleeping in your bed, no. They have to have their own room, their own, at least their own bed. And uh, you've you got to have your time. And you need to teach your children. This is mommy and daddy's room. You have your room. You, you have to know bedtimes. Bedtimes. Infants, little kids, up 7, 30, 8 o'clock, they need to be in bed. Junior high, maybe 9 o'clock. High school, maybe 10 o'clock. Our kids, when they went to bed, we made them leave their cell phones in our room charging. Here's the deal. You say, if I tried that, my kids would freak out. Not if they didn't know any different. When do you start training them? When they're babies. Put them in their bed. And you keep doing it over and over. And then you plan a date night. you got to have a date night, mate night. Everybody say it with me. Date night, mate night. Date uh-huh. night, mate. you got to have that. And, and, and here we would plan it. And, and then we'd say, hey, which one of you going to put the kids to bed tonight? Okay, me. Okay, okay. you go get things ready, and, and I'll go put the kid to bed. And, and you go in there, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And you go in there, and I'm asleep by the kid. Happens. Oh, yeah, it happened. And, but but you, you, you have to plan and you have to do whatever it takes. So have bedtimes. Teach them. Listen, you're teaching your children how to have a good marriage by having a good marriage. You're teaching them by example to honor mama, daddy. If you interrupt all the time, if you don't give them time, if you criticize and put down, if you do all this, then that, they're going to think, oh, that's how, that's how I treat women. If you holler at your wife, if you treat her to disrespect, then your son is going to think, oh, that's how I treat 
women. And your daughter will think it's okay. And your daughter will think that that, that that's how it's going to be treated. So you are teaching your children how to have a good marriage by you having a good one, and it's important that you do. Now, let's close up. Divorce is not God's plan, but it happens. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes they they happen beyond your control. Spouses leave. Uh, it, it just happens. So how do you recover from that? Uh, now then, there's two homes. The children are going in between two homes. Uh, please don't. Maybe your husband's the biggest jerk. He did you wrong. He cheated on whatever. But you know what? Don't tell the kid that. That's their father. Uh, you, you're going to have to be connected to them the rest of their life. You, you, you're going to have to. You got to learn to get along. You got to learn to be civil. Don't put that on the kids. Then you fall in love again. There's life after divorce. There's 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 remarriages. There's uh, a, a, a God can bless that, and uh, you can have a, a happy and, and recover from that. But you know what? Now then, you've got blended families, and now you got my kids and their kids. You got the Brady bunch. What do you do? Well, first of all, you don't ever treat them like a stepchild. You treat them like your own. You love them. And if you're, if you're going to take the woman, you're going to take her kids. If you're going to take the man, you're going to take his kids. And so you've got to learn to, to work together, uh, to work with those other families. Uh, You've you got to do it right. And so uh, get better at it. Let's get better at it. How many wants a better marriage? Amen. I, I, I want to deal with money better. I want, I want to have a better sex life. I want to have a better communication. Uh, what does it take? It takes work. So you know what? I encourage you, go home and work on it. I mean, we've loved researching. I love the paperwork. I t- you know what she told me? I was at my desk. I was reading my marriage book. I was studying. And she said, I like it when you study. You're sexy. I've enjoyed the paperwork, but man, I love the lab work. Had hands-on, that's some good stuff. So here's the deal. Nobody's good at it at first. Practice makes perfect. So you just got to do it more and more and more and more. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you got to communicate and uh, allow God. Do you pray over your marriage? Do you pray every night? The last thing I do is I lay my hand on and I pray over. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your spouse. Pray over your children. Pray over your sex life. I mean, because it, God's honored. When you honor your spouse and you love them, God's honored and God's cheering you on. Pray, say, Lord, help me be a better lover. Help me be a better communicator. Help me be a better money manager. Help me be a better husband or wife. And when we pray, God will do it. Amen? Amen. And it's good to see you today. Has it been fun? I like you helping me. But we take twice as long. It's so good. It's good to see Chip and Patty. Even the kid. Colin, you did a good job on those drums today, buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, amen. Good to see Randall and Jessica back. We've missed them. And Caden, Kaylin, they've been, uh, had heard his job got extended a little while, and uh, they're back. So good to see you. We've missed you. And uh, good to see everybody. We love you. Let me pray over you.